You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Ramo yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, soggy weather time. Some would call it football weather time. But we got football and basketball to discuss time. Lots to discuss time. Whenever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. The worst intro podcast in all of history. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant, uh, somewhat pleasant Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium where on Saturday night the Tennessee Volunteers will hope to secure bowl eligibility with a win over South Alabama. In the game, Tennessee's now favored by, I believe, 28 points. Be a similarly large line next week against Vanderbilt. So Vols most likely staring down the barrel of a 7-5 and five season. Lots to discuss there on that uh, exceeding of expectations. I, I think most of us who are rational would call it. We got a lot of that to discuss. We got a lot of hoops to discuss. So if we're going to do those two things together, you know where we're going. We're going to go down to that. Blount County Satellite Office of Govals 24-7 down there in Merville and get to Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? Can I just tell you for the last probably five months I spent thinking that Nashville game, uh, Vanderbilt game was in Nashville. Like, why does my brain function like that? Well, I mean, it's last year was such a weird year that I Maybe think that's it. it's easy to get things confused. Because last year, Tennessee and everybody else had to play in front of crowds that Vanderbilt normally plays in every week. That's right. So, And, and by the way, if you haven't seen those uh, artist renderings of, of Vanderbilt's new stadium, some of the, or the, the adjustments, the uh, additional accoutrement that they're adding to that stadium, it uh, looks interesting. I don't know how often they'll fill it up like they did in those pictures. But, uh, you there, know. There's, no, um, there's no good way about it for Vanderbilt to release those renderings because obviously you want to put fans in the stands in those renderings because you want it to look like a, a game day, but then everybody just everybody on social media clowns you because – a, you never have the stadium full, and B, it's never all Vanderbilt fans. It's usually fill-in-the-blank road team. Yeah, between that and, and you know, they do that thing with the cell phones now at games where they, you know, everybody does those little light shows pregame or halftime yep. or whatever, and Vanderbilt did one the other day when there it seemed like there were 17 people in Memorial Gymnasium, and it was – I mean, God bless them for trying, but that's 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 not a great look, so – and, and Memorial's atmosphere already is, if it's not full and, and crazy, it's like a, I don't know, ran down old opera house or something. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to watch a game when it's packed. And it usually is for Tennessee games. I mean, there's usually a really good atmosphere in there. But, yeah, it's we got we got plenty more time to discuss Vanderbilt next week. We're going discuss, to discuss a lot of Tennessee <laughs> basketball uh, coming up uh, here in the second segment. The Vols have a huge weekend going down, or going up, I should say, to uh, Mohegan Sun up there. Uh, in Connecticut uh, to play uh, on Saturday, play f- uh, fifth-ranked Villanova, and then on Saturday play either sixth-ranked Purdue or 18th-ranked North Carolina. So a big weekend for Rick Barnes and his 17th 
ranked Vols, but also a big weekend coming up for Tennessee football. We'll discuss that here in the first segment, just now here back at the studio, which means that I just spoke with Josh Heupel about an hour and a half or so ago after Thursday practice. And the Thursday presser was a little bit longer than usual this week. And I think you could tell that kind of disappointed Heupel because he walked in and he noticed that it wasn't like the largest crowd ever for a Thursday media. I mean, it's still a big, large media contingent. But it wasn't quite as like full as it is. It's like, all right, not as many people today. Well, what's going on today? And then, you know, when he was done like 13 or 14 minutes, whatever it was, he's like, man, that was longer than a normal Thursday. What's going on, guys? <laughs> so uh, I, I could tell, you know, because he – Hypel does his best to – and he's a, he's a cordial guy, so he's going to be cordial in his responses most of the time. But he's trying his best to never say anything but also like keep fans excited and so it's a really hard line to walk there of like, you know, saying things to promote your program and recruiting while also saying absolutely nothing of substance for reporters to have for their their jobs. So it's a tough line to walk there. I got bad news for him, too. He's had a really good year one so far. And the, the more success he has, the more people show up and the more people show up, the more questions get asked and the more questions to get asked the longer the press conferences go and the more uh, other media obligations he has outside of those press conferences. So saddle saddle up, Josh. It's going to be a minute. Yeah, and, and if you're going to be at Tennessee or you want to go to a place, you know, that even has a larger media contingent, guess what? This is this is your life now. And uh, yep. when you look this at – This is it. When you, and he's – I think he's fine with it. He's never, like, not pleasant, really. I mean, sometimes right. he's curt, but he's just kind of like – you can tell some people just sort of naturally – shine in those environments and some people just kind of would would rather not be there but they'll just do it because they need to he's one of those guys which is fine because if he goes out there and, and wins 10 plus games or whatever wins an SEC championship he can do whatever the hell he wants around here and people aren't going to say anything so you just gotta, he's like you gotta get to that he's point. like he's like Grant Ramey podcasting he sucks at it but it's part of the job he's got to do it he's got to put his time in and hope he survives yeah I did think about starting today with like a super over-the-top, excited intro just to get everybody fired up and then throw it to you and then see how you would react to that. But then it was like, it's raining. I don't know. I didn't sleep great last night. I, I just I just wasn't feeling it. So that's just the way that, that things are now. To, to quote Dwight Schrute, the days are short. I don't know. Maybe I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really good point. The, and in terms of breaking down this game, I guess we, we need to discuss a couple things. First off, we'll get to some injury updates. Uh, such as they are, you know, it's uh, it's like he's like with Ron Swanson with his injury reports, like someone will be here at some time. That That's a Josh Heupel injury report. Uh, he did say, however, that Tyon Evans, again, did not do much in practice Thursday. So it looks like he is doubtful again for Saturday, which, again, makes you wonder, is this kid ever going to play for – for Tennessee again, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's just it, it would be such a shame if if uh, you know he goes pro after a year and the totality of how fun it is to watch him and, and the, the 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 totality would be like eighty one carries at Tennessee. That that would be. I feel like we kind of got gypped on that basically if that's the way that goes uh, because he's such a fun player to watch when he's healthy. But we'll see. There, there's a couple games after this one most likely, so we'll see. Uh, as for Aaron Beasley, he's done a little bit more in practice as the week has progressed. So. A little bit more optimistic there, not not calling him probable, but but he just, you know, Hypel sort of seemed to – I'm parsing his words a little bit, but he seemed to be somewhere between, you know, questionable 
to probable, maybe a little bit higher than questionable, but but we'll see. And with Javante Payton, it's very much questionable. He's been able to do some stuff, but not everything. And they'll see. I don't think if they if they don't need those guys, I don't think they'll use them because that's not how Hypel rolls. And I don't think they'll need any of those three players necessarily to win this game. But with Beasley in particular, Grant, I mean, it, it's not – there's not a lot of linebackers there at Tennessee right now. Uh, there's just not a lot of guys. And for whatever reason, guys like, you know, Aaron Willis and, you know, William Mohan, they haven't taken that step forward quite yet. Uh, you got Nick Humphrey, the senior walk-on, who's in there, Solon Page, uh, the, the senior who is in there. But behind Banks, and you got Pat Garland in there too a little bit, but they really – if this were a big game, they would really need Beasley out there on the field. They would. I mean, you were short at linebacker in August. You were shorter at linebacker, you know, in September. You were even shorter in October, and here you are in November. I mean, that's just – that's the way a season unfolds, a college football season unfolds. You you never feel like you have enough depth or never have enough personnel for Tennessee. That is a legitimate – that was a legitimate concern in fall camp. And it's even more of a concern now. I mean, we've seen the linebackers struggle how many weeks in a row now to, to contain quarterbacks, to to get guys on the ground. I mean, if, if if they had other options there, they felt they could help them. But kind of the guys you mentioned, they would probably be on the field trying to help them. But apparently that's not the case. So, yeah, you want that guy back. You, you need him back. Uh, but against South Alabama, it's 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 the first time for a, in a while that Tennessee's had a chance to take its breath a little bit, I guess, since the bye week, a couple weeks uh, since then. So it's a question of, you know, how much do you want to rush some of these guys back or how much do you need them? Do you feel like you can get by without them? I think that's the the line you're trying to walk. Yeah, and and it's not like Beasley has been a great player. Uh, he, he's he's had some some solid games. Uh, he's had some moments in games that were that were troubling uh, where he just some of the the reactions he showed out there were were not what you would like to see from an inside linebacker. Uh, at the SEC level, so I, I think he, but he's a solid player. Like you know what you're going to get, and, and that's something that that Tennessee, frankly, could use uh, going down the stretch because there's just not a lot. Their banks, and, and even he's been okay, but everyone knows Tennessee's got to get better at that position. I mean, you look at there in safety, and those are a couple areas where Tennessee's just got to get a combination of you know bigger, faster, and better. They they just do if they want to get to be the program they want to be. But for now. Uh, Beasley's one of the two best they got, so they'd like to have him, and we'll see if he's available. Uh, you know, if you can play without him, and, and then just maybe get him back for Vandy or for the bowl game, that they'd probably be okay with that. But you know, it, it, again, they're not in a situation where they can afford to to play without a lot of these guys because they're getting to walk on some other guys pretty pretty quickly down there. Uh, also, you're getting to the time of the season where you'd like to redshirt some guys if possible in some situations. You know, you can play them four games or less and they can redshirt. So we'll see how all that becomes a factor down the stretch. But interesting nonetheless, uh, because South Alabama is, is a team, if Jake Bentley is still the quarterback, I think we're talking differently about this game probably. Uh, Bentley, you know, went to South Carolina, uh, then he goes to Utah, then he transfers into South Alabama. Not a great player, but a solid player. A guy who was up there in the top 25 or so of quarterback efficiency this season. And a guy who has a wide receiver who is one of the better ones Tennessee will probably see this season. Uh, you know, Jalen Tolbert's a really good player. This guy's got 65 catches for 1,140 yards, six touchdowns, averaging about 17.6 or so yards a catch. 
he's really, really good, and he's a guy who is who could give Tennessee secondary some problems. Um, but with Desmond Trotter in there at quarterback, South Alabama has not quite been the same. You know, you you look at the they're just numbers, and, and Trotter has not played as much as Bentley. But Bentley's quarterback rating was around one fifty four, and Trotter's is around one hundred eight. So it, it's a pretty pretty steady drop off there. You're talking about a guy who's thrown 15 touchdowns and five picks. Now you got a guy who's at three touchdowns and three picks. Completion percentage goes down from 70% to like 58%. It changes things for South Alabama. They've got some good players, um, but they kind of got taken it to them a little bit in Boone last week. And, and I, I think that line is rising because I think people see that this is a game that Tennessee's offense should be able to score some points, and uh, I don't know that South Alabama's offense with Trotter is going to be quite as good. I mean, they lost 31-7 at App State last week. The week before that, they were down 31-7 uh, against at Troy. Uh, I think they scored the last 17 points in that game to kind of make the final score look a little bit different than, than how the game played out. I don't think they're a terrible defensive team. I think their offense obviously is struggling right now for the for the reasons you just uh, mentioned with the, with the quarterback stuff. They did beat Butch Jones 31-13. Uh, bless his heart. That was their one win over the last uh, a few times out. But I mean, if you're Tennessee, if you've gone through Alabama, if you've gone through Kentucky, if you've gone through Georgia over this recent stretch, this is a game where you think you can come out and flex a little bit, and, and you, you know, you you don't want to overlook opponent. And, and Georgia State 2019 happened all over again, but it's an opponent where you feel like maybe you can you can get in there and you can have a 21 point quarter, you can have a really quick start, you can get back to being super explosive on offense. And hopefully you don't turn this into a 60-minute or you don't let this become a 60-minute football game. You let this become a game where you can jump out and, and get that kind of lead and kind of coast a little bit and, and try to figure out how you want to split up your reps from there. Yeah, and, and I go back to a couple of quotes earlier this week from Tennessee players. And, and again, saying something and doing something are entirely different things. You know, I mean, it, you can say anything. You, can, you know, I can tell you right now, Greg, I can go dunk a basketball. I mean, I can do it. You know, I can just say that. But we all know I can't. So if you go look at, well, certainly not now, but, you know, if you go back and look at a couple of the quotes from earlier this week, uh, a couple of really interesting ones that kind of gave me food for thought when Jabari Small, Tennessee's junior running back or sophomore running back, came out and said very politely but very firmly that, that Tennessee's biggest two opponents the next two weeks are Tennessee. Uh, and the, if Tennessee handles its business, these games should go the way they go. But you have to take it seriously, and they're not good enough to not take you know anybody unseriously. They got to take everybody seriously, or or this this becomes a, a much different scenario. And then I go back to something that Omari Thomas, the sophomore defensive lineman, said. He said, "Listen, I care about these seniors. I care about guys like Matt Butler, you know, and Jaquan Blakely. I care about those guys, and I want those guys to go out, you know, with as many wins as possible." And then on top of that, you, you get a quote from from Mike Eckler, Tennessee's uh, special teams coordinator, outside linebackers coach, uh, spicy chili contributor, and, and he said that he's been in this business for for a while now, and that he's always loved his job, but that he's never had more fun than he's had dealing with these kids, and, and that every day coming into the office, he just he loves this group of guys because he, they, they excite him. And he, he says they're, they're kind of like a team full of eight- and nine-year-olds who used to, you know, and everybody can remember this, right? You go back to your peewee days, and you'd be so excited before a Saturday game or something that you would sleep in your uniform the night before just because you were so excited you wanted to just get up and go run and go play. 
he said that's what this team is like and that a couple of losses have not deterred that and that it's just been a really fun group to be around. And and I imagine that, that some of that's Eckler saying some things positively for recruiting, but I don't think that's the kind of thing you can just make up, right? I, I think the vibe in that building is something that, that makes me feel think they'll take the next two weeks pretty seriously i mean just go back and look at, at what this team has done i mean uh, according to espn's fbi tennessee has the number one strength of schedule in the country not in the sec in the country and, and you go back and it's hard to think of a game where they really just got blown off the field like they didn't they didn't it, it didn't look like a, a game from the first snap till the final whistle yeah. I mean, they got ran off the field against Alabama in the fourth quarter, but they're pretty tough for three quarters. And they made a ton of mistakes against Ole Miss. And Ole Miss ran for however many yards that quarter. Matt Corral ran for them uh, for Ole Miss against Tennessee. But still, they had a chance to win that game on the final play of the game. Um, Kentucky, obviously, the craziness of that game. Uh, to win that game, score 45 points and only have less than 14 minutes of time of possession. Uh, and for Georgia – yeah, obviously the last, the second half, Georgia kind of steamrolled and pulled away a little bit. But the first half, I think a lot of uh, Tennessee put up more of a fight than I guess a lot of people would have would have thought they would. So I think there is legitimate. Uh, there's there's something to that when they say that this team really enjoys each other. This team enjoys this coaching staff. Everybody's bought in. All this. It's not just talk. I think we've seen that play out over the last few months because Tennessee should be outclassed in a big way by a lot of these teams because of the depth they have, the talent they have, uh, the different you know. You face a really tough offense in Ole Miss, and you face a really tough physical football team on both sides of the ball in Alabama. Then you face the best defense in who knows how long in college football, Georgia. And in all these different types of games, they've found a way to stick around for you know one quarter, three quarters, whatever it is, four quarters, and, and found a way to fight when you really don't have the – you know, you're, you're, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight in a lot of these, and they found a way to, to, to be competitive. So I don't think there's any reason to think they're just not going to show up over the final two weeks when A – you're trying to get that six win for a bowl game and B, you're trying to win seven games uh, against the number one strength of schedule in the country when really nobody thought you were going to do anything because supposedly all your talent left in the transfer portal in January. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about a five and five football team that could possibly be one of the top 25 teams in, in the country. And, and I, I'll be clear, if I were an AP voter this year, and again, with, with 24-7, we've not been able to be AP voters because we're, we've – since we went to 24-7 sports anyway, I had to kind of give up that, that AP vote just because we don't have their subscriber to the wire. So that that's basically a long way of saying I'm not a top 25 voter right now. If I were, I would not have Tennessee in my top 25. But can you sit here and say definitively that there are 25 teams in the country right now better than Tennessee? I don't think you can definitively say that. I think you could make an argument either way. Because you look at the caliber of teams Tennessee has lost to, uh, the caliber of some of the teams Tennessee has beat, and the way they've won some of those games, I don't know that you you can make a pretty solid argument that this is one of the twenty five best teams in the country, right? Like you you can't say that for sure, but you can at least make a you know a, a tangible argument. I mean, it's not a huge game of like what ifs uh, that you have to play to to put this team in the top twenty five. I mean, what if you have Tyon Evans against Pittsburgh? What if you have uh, Hinden Hooker from the first snap against Pittsburgh? What if you have, you know, what if Cedric Tillman catches that pass on the, the next to the last play of the game against Ole Miss? I mean, if they can beat Pittsburgh, that's a that's a matchup against Ole Miss of two top fifteen teams. And if Tennessee catches that ball, you know, Tennessee's flirting with a top ten ranking. I mean, it's not that it, it sounds insane, but I don't really think you have to make that many kind of butterfly effect 
chess moves to to figure out what where this team could be uh versus where it's at but i mean i'm the most cynical person in the world and if i thought it was what the stuff that positive vibes only and all the chemistry and all this stuff that they've been talking about since august if i thought it was crap i would call it crap i think it's legit i mean i think it's i think it's been there i think you've seen it i think the evidence in how hard they play week in and week out regardless of the opponent regardless of the score uh, I think that stands up because of what we've seen from this team. Yeah, and I'll say this before we go to break. I, I think you look at the team, when you lose as many guys as a team like Tennessee lost in this offseason, you know, you go to those some of those team meetings and there's just a lot fewer people in there. You know, a lot of people have left the island and you've only got a few people left. Those people who stay often get very close. Um, because they've been through, you know, they've seen some things, you know, they, they've experienced some stuff, they, they've been through tough times, and I think they sort of rally around each other, right? And then you add guys into the mix, like you bring a Hooker, a Milton, a Javante Payton into the mix. These are guys who are fun to be around. You know, these are guys who could quickly sort of assimilate themselves into that group, and I think they've got a pretty tight group right now. And when you combine that with coaches – like Heupel and, and Tim Banks and Eckler and, and Golish and all those guys who came in saying, listen, guys, we, we, we know you might not trust us yet, so we, we want to earn that. We want to earn that trust. And they've earned it. And, and I think they just – they've handled this. They've played the notes the right way, and they've, they've, they've started putting in the foundation of a culture where you can do some things. And I think all that started by those players having to come together before the new staff got there. I think that had to start because you had Hooker – you know, not knowing who his coach was going to be for the first few weeks he was at Tennessee, still organizing throwing sessions with some of these players. And I, I think it started there, and then I think the coach hit the right notes, and, and here we are, a team that's probably better than the sum of its parts. I, I think these players just want a genuine human being as their coach, uh, a guy who's going to do what he says he's going to do. Uh, he's not trying to sell you a bill, because I think that's been Heupel's emphasis from day one you you can't trust me because i haven't been here to earn your trust but let me earn your trust by saying stuff and then doing it and following through on it and being you know a genuine fair human being i think that's what he's been i think his staff is you know it trickles down to his staff honestly this group reminds me of, of some of those tennessee basketball teams from a few years ago where Great. they did not have they did not have the talent Great at all but there was a ton of chemistry. They just liked being around each other, and, and they were one of the most likable bunches of Tennessee athletes that the fan base, in terms of fan base, that has been on this campus in a long time. Just because they play well together, they put a they put a really good product on the floor, despite not having some of the talent that that is around them. Now, this Tennessee team, obviously, the football team, is not you know going from pick last in the SEC to winning the league or whatever that, that Tennessee did in, in eighteen nineteen or seventeen eighteen, whatever basketball season that was. But it, it does kind of have that feel where you don't have a ton of talent, but the sum of the parts is, is pretty good and really fun to watch because of how well they play together and how much effort they put on the field. That's true. Hendon Hooker does have some of those Kevin Punter vibes a little bit in that way. <laughs> you know, carrying a team a little bit, you know. You Puts know. up crazy numbers regardless of what the situation or Yeah, is. and he just kind of airdrops in, but he, but, like, he airdrops in, but he becomes a guy who you just rave about his work ethic. Like Rick Barnes to this day – I mean, if he could have a statue of, of Kevin Punter in his home, he would take it. Like, he just talks about him so much in that way, and a guy who helped set the culture for the program, even though he just kind of airdropped in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's there, – there's something to that. I think that's – Grant, it's almost, like, it's almost like you should be the columnist sometimes, some of these ideas, bro. These are good ideas. 
I'm very smart. Nobody gives me any credit. <laughs> That's true. I don't give you any credit for that. We're going to step I got away. A real big, I got a real big brain. Real big brain, and I know how to use it. So we're going to step away for just a second. Guys, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, and then we're going to come back for the second segment and talk Tennessee basketball. Huge weekend for Vols Hoops coming up, and we're going to talk about it here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the GoVols 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office down in Merville on a dreary, uh, dreary, rainy, chilly Thursday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, or in Grant's case, in Merville, Tennessee. Talking Tennessee football in the first segment, going to swing it over to Tennessee hoops in just a second. Before we do that, guys, quick reminder, please, please take a minute out of your day right now and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it, but the only thing we ask for is that you go in there and tell some friends, Always, that's always good, and then rate and review and subscribe. That helps us add wolves to our wolf pack, and that helps us grow this thing as we continue. I mean, we're almost, I mean, our numbers are almost like 100% better than they were a year ago. Like It's crazy how much this thing is growing on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And y'all are the reason for that, so thank you. And if you're already rating, reviewing, and subscribing, we appreciate that. If not, go yourself. That is our, that's our new slogan uh, that I've unofficially made official. It's unofficially official. We're sticking to it. That is the policy. Please, please go help us out and do that. Grant, huge week, huge weekend coming up for Tennessee basketball. The Vols took care of business, as everyone expected, against UT Martin and then East Tennessee State. Uh, going into uh, the first couple games of the season. They handled their business there. Uh, but now uh, we get to uh, the the real, you know, sort of maybe the buzz. I don't want to 
I don't know if we call it the buzzsaw portion, but it's close. Uh, th- this is a really, really big weekend coming up for Tennessee. The Vols playing fifth, uh, fifth-ranked Villanova, which has one loss this season. It was at Poly Pavilion, on the road, at UCLA, in overtime against a team that a lot of people think might be the national champion this year. And that's the only loss Villanova's got so far. And, and then the Vols will either play – uh, no matter who they play the next day, it'll be it'll be a team they know pretty well because they played Purdue and North Carolina in the recent past. So, uh, and Purdue is ranked sixth nationally, North Carolina eighteenth. Grant, the bottom line: Do you think Tennessee is ready for a weekend like this? Uh, we're going to find out. I don't. I don't think you can say you're ready when you have seven true freshmen on the roster and when you have eight newcomers uh, out of all your guys, and, and you just got John Fulkerson back on, on Sunday against ETSU. I don't. I don't think you're ready until you you show that you're ready. I don't think you're ready until you, you get on the floor against a really good Purdue, uh, sorry Villanova team on Saturday, uh, and show that you're ready. I, I think it's uh, you know we just got done talking about that 17, 18 team uh, in the last segment. Um, it, it feels a lot like when when that team went to the Bahamas in 2017 and they and they beat a Purdue team, a ranked Purdue team in overtime, uh, and then they went out in the the, the following day uh, like with their hair on fire against a, another number five Villanova team and they were up I think 12 at halftime yep got outscored by 20 or something uh, got rolled over pretty good in the second half and then they beat North Carolina State the next day and it turned into a really good trip to the Bahamas and it turned into a really good season turned into a really good back-to-back season but but back then Grant Williams was a sophomore Jordan Bones was a sophomore uh, Bowden was a sophomore. All those guys, Lamonte Turner's a sophomore. Uh, Kyle and Admiral were juniors. So you didn't really know that bunch like you got to know them after that. I think it was kind of a sea change for them, for that program. It feels like you're doing that again because you've, you've got seven freshmen on this roster. You've got some really good, talented guys like Kennedy Chandler and, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield. And, you know, you can go down the roster. But it feels like this team hasn't, in a, in a couple of years, kind of had that really huge tests and really passed that test with flying colors. So you were going to, you're going to find out about this team one way or the other, because Villanova is really good. And it doesn't really matter who you get on Sunday. Both of those teams are good. Uh, you're going to figure out pretty quick what this team's about and kind of what they need to do. It's interesting because Villanova, as it often is, does not, it's an interesting combination because we, we all know Jay Wright's one of the best in the business, right? Like Rick Barnes is a future hall of famer, uh, Jay Wright is already a Hall of Famer and, and I think was inducted maybe this year. And, and he's won a couple national championships. You know what his program's about. They don't use as many one-and-done players as some of the other juggernauts. They sort of develop their players. And like usual, you look at the Villanova team this year, not a lot of depth off the bench, maybe just three or so guys who really kind of regularly come off the bench. A lot of guys who play 30-plus minutes a night. But you know what? They're upperclassmen. Almost all of their production comes from guys who are like fourth-year seniors, fifth-year seniors. Uh, one's a third-year sophomore in there. He's kind of the, the the baby in the mix. They they develop their guys, and they have big, physical, tough men. And, and I think that they don't have a lot of size this year, but they have some experience and toughness, and they got good guards, one of the better point guards that you'll see in the country. And they just, they just do what they do, and they're well-drilled, and they do it well, and they compete. And I think that's going to be an interesting matchup because Tennessee can throw a lot of bodies at you. Tennessee, if it wanted to, could play like 12 guys. Um, but they're not going to do that. But Tennessee wants to play fast. It's going to shoot the ball a lot from the perimeter now. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is just sort of a wizard there at point guard right now. The, it's a really interesting matchup to me on Saturday. You know, Do you feel the same way? It's kind of a really interesting mix of styles and roster composition and so many other things. It is for sure, and, and with Kennedy specifically, because so much is going to be placed on Kennedy all year. And obviously against UT Martin, 
and against ETSU, he passed that test with insanely flying colors. He couldn't have played much better in either of those games. But it's UT Martin and it's ETSU, and the kid's fearless, and he's he's you know he's got more confidence than he'll ever need, and that's great when you go up against a number a team like number five Villanova. So it's yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of matchup in in terms of programs and and what they how they go about their business and what they want to do. Um, we do need to throw out an RIP to uh, Jay Wright's suit collection because it, it made sense when college Man, coaches. Man, it was immaculate. It, it made sense when college coaches, the one good thing that came out of COVID was no more suits on the sidelines because that never really, you know, why, why is everybody so dressed up? They went to the three-quarter zips and slacks or whatever. That's great. But Jay Wright's suit collection was was straight out of the, the, the Mad Men um, set. Yeah, there, I mean, were th- there were three coaches who always really impressed me with their suit collections. Uh, one of them is Jay Wright. The other one, obviously, Rick Pitino. And then the final one was uh, Bob Davidson and McKillop, GQ Bob, I used to call him. Those three dudes, man, they wore the hell out of some suits. You got to pour one out. Pour one out for Jay. I, I don't care about Pitino's white lab coat, whatever suit that was he had back in the day. I don't care about that getting getting RIP'd, but you got to RIP to Jay Wright's suit collection. There, there's And there's it's an interesting thing because a team gets to find out sort of what it's about pretty early. You know, it's kind of like um, you see in college football, you see a lot of these sort of, you know, college football sort of going the way of college basketball now in that you're seeing early in the season a lot of these great non-conference matchups in neutral venues because people all the time talk about in sports how a team has to test its toughness on the road. And I always counter that with, yeah, but when you get to conference tournaments and, you know, the NCAA tournament, you're playing in neutral sites. So it, you can you can kind of forge a toughness together on the road, but does being a road warrior really really help you a ton when you're playing in neutral sites and tournaments? I think there's a there's an interesting argument to be made there. So my thing is, how are you on neutral courts? Because that to me shows that's the kind of thing you're going to need to go win with in the off season, right? I mean, in the postseason. Yeah, and I mean, we we asked Rick about this Tuesday before practice, kind of what that team learned when it went to the Bahamas and, and why that team was better because of that tournament. And and he said, you know, kind of broke it down pretty simply. You have to play in those kind of games to figure out what it's like to play elite, high-level competition and how much you have to value every single possession, how you can't throw the ball away, how you can't, you know, go to sleep on the defensive and how much you have to value and how much you have to execute every single second against those high-level teams and those high-level games because that's what it's going to take to win. I mean, when you get to the NCAA tournament, you know, it seems like so much happens in the first 35 minutes of the game, but it can all change in the final five minutes if you don't execute down the stretch. And I think you have to figure that out, especially if you're a young team, especially if you've got seven freshmen, if you've got a freshman point guard that you're going to be riding all season long. You can't play these games early enough in the schedule or you can't play enough of these games as the non-conference schedule uh, continues to get you ready. And now the SEC, I mean, the SEC is a, a grind just like any other conference now when you start at Alabama to open SEC schedule and, and you got to play a home and home with LSU and you got to play home and home with Kentucky and uh, Auburn. And you can go down the list of, of the tough games in conference, but you better be ready to go by the time conference play gets here because you're not going to, you, you don't have, you know, you only have so many opportunities for these huge tests to get you ready for March. Uh, and if you can do those in November, the earlier, the better. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things I'm interested to, to see this weekend. You know, I, I think, you know, I can make a list of a few things, really. I mean, Kennedy Chandler, is he really 
as good as it really looks like he is because he looks absolutely fantastic. Well, he's going to see much better competition this weekend, so we'll see how he handles that. Uh, is Olivier Cumois really going to be this kind of a player now, or is he a guy who's not ready to be a really good player against really good competition? Because we don't know one way or the other yet. If he, because he and Fulkerson, you know, if you're going to play uh, with Fulkerson at the same time, you have to be a perimeter shooter because you need a four man who can kind of step out and, and space the floor because Fulkerson doesn't do that. So to play the way Tennessee wants to play, they're either going to have to get a lot of production and a lot of consistent production out of Olivia Kumwa, or they're going to have to play Josiah Jordan James at the four. That, that that's kind of their options right now because when when you play Huntley Hatfield and Fulkerson at the same time. You know, Huntley Hatfield can step out and shoot a little bit, but it's not really his strength right now. He can do it, obviously. But the bottom line is you need those guys to be good. And and so that's the other thing. And then the third thing is, you know, can this team defend against a really good team? Can they guard people they need to guard? Because I would love when you have lineups, like if you if you can find a way to put Vescovi and Powell on the floor at the same time, my goodness, the space you can have on the floor with the way they can shoot the basketball, with Chandler in there especially. But can they defend? Can they, you know, th- th- those are those are probably three of the biggest things I'm looking at this weekend. Would those be on your list? What are you really looking for this weekend? Yeah, I mean, is John Fulkerson, what, what does he look like? Is he, is he 2020, uh, 2021 John Fulkerson, or is he the guy from a couple of years ago um, that was a first-team All-SEC player? Um, does Josiah, you know, take that next step that we've been talking about, it feels like, for two, three years now? I mean, does he become that elite player? Uh, and just how they handle themselves if they come out from the start looking like they're ready to go uh, from the jump Saturday uh, against Villanova, if they have a quick start, if, if they have a slow start, if, if Villanova jumps out 10, 15 points on them uh, in the you know opening 15 minutes, that's, that's going to be big trouble. So kind of what, what they get from some of those veterans, uh, what some of those newcomers look like, especially Kennedy, uh, and just kind of how they handle themselves in general. And then whatever happens against Villanova, how do you turn around 24 hours later and handle yourself against whoever you're playing the next day, Purdue or North Carolina, and kind of go from there. I think uh, we we don't know really anything about this basketball team compared to what you'll probably know uh, Sunday night after those two games in two days. Yeah, I'm interested to see how we how we handle that all, all, all next week, what we'll be talking about, because we'll learn so much this weekend that will give us a lot of stuff to talk about. And, and we'll probably talk about some of it, at least I will, on Monday, because – you know, you assume Tennessee football. You don't want to assume anything, but you're it's a pretty good guess that Tennessee takes care of business, you know, against South Alabama, and then just sort of go from there. Uh, because I think we'll have a lot more interesting, perhaps interesting things to discuss uh, with hoops after the weekend. So, so we 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 will see about that. Grant, before we go though, last thing, I know that uh, we we'd be remiss if we did not mention this uh, to give a tip of the cap, a shout out uh, to Kim English and Ticket Gaines, who are now at George Mason. Uh, former Tennessee assistant coach Kim English, who's now the head coach of George Mason, former Vols guard Ticket Gaines, who is now with with English at George Mason. They upset 20th-ranked Maryland in College Park last night. Big, big win for those guys. They're 4-0 now. Uh, they got a small bench. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of flipping the roster there. But I don't think it's a surprise. I mean, Gaines had 14 points and 10 rebounds, 4-4 from the free throw line, 2-for-2 two two or 3 from 3. Uh, and then English doing what he does. I mean, guy's going to win a lot of basketball games, and, and I would tell George Mason appreciate him while you have him because it won't be for very long. No, if he continues at a fraction of this rate, he's going to be talked about in March as a guy for big jobs, bigger jobs already after just one season at George Mason. Uh, just to 
they hadn't beat a ranked team since 2007, I believe, George Mason hadn't. They yep, had yep. never beat Maryland in program history, and that's a program that's just – those are two two schools that are separated by, you know, like a 40-minute drive, something like that. So that's huge in that area. And, and Kim, I can't tell you the last time a, a George Mason uh, coach started his career 4-0. I think this uh, they won their first three games by more than 20 points each. I think that might have been the first time in, in program history. And, yeah, to see Devontae do it, uh, I told Kim that Devonte looks twenty pounds heavier, and I think it's just because he has a thicker headband and more hair. But whatever, <laughs> whatever it's doing, it's working because he started every game. He's been productive in every game. Um, so good for him. Good for Kim. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, the, the Atlantic Ten is, is, you know, kind of put on notice now that that Kim English is here, and apparently he's for real. Yeah, I tell you, Georgetown's been struggling a little bit too. So you could, you know, maybe at the end of the year, we're talking about George Mason as the kings of the DMV for a season, which would be a huge, huge, huge deal. And let's let's go ahead and say what's already going to happen. Probably what's already happened. Missouri lost to Kansas City on Wednesday, Tuesday night by you know ten, fifteen, whatever at home. That was a terrible loss for Conzo Martin. It's, it could be rough for him. And then 24 hours later, Kim English leads George Mason to a win at number 20, yeah. Maryland. And they're already going to be calling, bring Kim home, all that stuff. So that's that's going to be a year's, a season's worth of that, I'm sure. And if you're Rick, you're thinking, don't go to the SEC. He's probably like, no. I, I love you, Kim, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to fight you in the SEC. So I don't, don't want to deal with you. You know, he's got to deal with one of his uh, best friends, you know, Calipari, every single year, twice, and. You know, he, he, he and, um, you know, he, he and the Davidson program, there's relationships there. They only play in the offseason or in that preseason game. You know, he, he, he likes playing Mark Few, but he also doesn't because that's one of his good friends. There's just a group of those guys, and they don't like playing each other. I don't think he'll want to play Kim English if he gets to, to Mizzou. I don't think he wants to play him once or twice a year. So, But we'll see. Congratulations to those guys, and a big weekend coming up for the Vols. Lots to discuss. We'll have a lot more to discuss on Monday. Obviously, uh, we'll be back Saturday night or Sunday morning, I should say, with that ridiculously – 7.30 p.m. kickoff for a non-conference game in late November. But nonetheless, uh, we will be there after the game. Grant, you got anything else before we step out of here, though? I do. I do got something. Let's get ahead of this. Tennessee basketball, it's on ESPN News. ESPN News, because it's a 1 o'clock tip-off on a Saturday. There's a little bit of uh, – there's a lot going on in the sports world on a November Saturday, uh, especially college athletics. So ESPN News, Saturday. Sunday, it's either going to be ABC or ESPN. It'll be a lot easier to find. Uh, but go ahead and find that that channel on your TV because yeah. I don't know what channel it is. Yeah, and I'm not looking it up either. I'm not your TV guy. Go find ESPN <laughs> News or get the app and and do that and and figure it out. So I appreciate you being here, Grant. I know you got to run. I got to run too. We both got stuff we got to do this afternoon. So I'm gonna let you get out of here, man. See ya. See you, bud. And if I could find that button, there it is. There it is. Now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Grant for joining us, but more importantly, thanks to y'all for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We always say it. We always mean it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. You can also, uh, if you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get news throughout the throughout the day on there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, God's own goodness, go get that at govals247.com. 
the best site on all, on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Some interesting stuff from Tony Vitello today that we'll discuss uh, about things going with them going forward into a, into a big season. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. So you get all that, what, a couple dozen fresh content items most days. Between that and our network, a nationwide network, everywhere college football is and college basketball is, we are there at CBS and 24-7 Sports. And you can get all of that in addition to two forms that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that isn't political or religious in nature. And you will hear from us. We will have fun talking about it with you. You'll have thousands of Tennessee fans from every zip code, every time zone in the world, no matter what time of day it is. Someone's up there and ready to talk Vols with you. And you get all of that for less than the price of one freaking mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And that's after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that ridiculously low rate, you get, in addition to that, free access in perpetuity to Paramount+. Plus. used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount+. Plus. And you can get in there, and that's a that's a $100-plus dollar annual streaming value that we will give you for free. That's every show CBS has ever made commercial free, tons of exclusive shows on there and big time, big time, big budget shows, actions, comedies, dramas, thrillers, all kinds of stuff with big A-list stars, exclusive movies. You can only get there tons of stuff. You get stuff from the catalogs of uh, from CBS, obviously everything there. And you also get stuff from MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian and comedy central, something for the entire family. You get live sports also, SEC stuff, Tennessee stuff, obviously, March Madness, NCAA tournament, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, all that and so much more, $100 plus annual value in your pocket for free. So we're basically giving you about $400 worth of stuff, $300 at least worth of stuff for about $100 a year. You cannot beat that deal. You can't do it. So go do that right now. Go to GoVols247.com and we will get you set up, quick handshake, and we go from there. If nothing else, you should hear from us, I would say, in the ridiculous hours of early Sunday morning to talk about Tennessee, South Alabama, and that game. And then we'll be back on Monday again to talk about more stuff. Until then, be good to each other. Have some empathy. The world needs it. See ya. See ya.